back, everyone, to another episode of Tuning Fork, a show about music and the Pitchfork Media hype machine. I'm David. I'm Matt. And our guest today is the wonderful Gary from Live Free Twy Hard and other illustrious projects. Go ahead and say hi. Hey, it's me from those things that David just mentioned. It's Gary. Hi. Hey, Gary. How could you forget Ham Radio, the Hamtaro podcast? <laughs> Obviously the <laughs> yeah, most important have, one. I would yes. never. Yep. We have so many episodes. How could you? How could you yeah. Please, Gary. I have a podcast that has not re- that has two episodes, and they are both recorded and released in 2016. And I have not released Whoa. more episodes of them. Uh, so don't happens. worry about it. We are all, right. all legends of podcasting here with completely normal schedules. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, but I'm yeah, very excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, today we're we're uh, taking it back to. I'd say one of the foundational kind of uh, albums of this podcast's uh, subject time period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gary, which one are we talking about today? We're talking about the album, the debut album, um, Funeral by the band Arcade Fire. Is it is it Arcade Fire or The Arcade Fire? I will have you or know that I am holding a copy of the CD in my hands. Um, it says Arcade Fire on the spine, but it says yeah. The Arcade Fire on the liner notes. God damn it. So who's to say? <laughs> who's to say, really? See, I always, my question has always been, like, do you say Arcade Fire or do you say Arcade Fire? Oh. Honestly. You I, heard I, a difference I, in that? Because yeah. That, well, that's just an emphasis I say that difference. to anybody, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> But yeah, I'll say the arcade fire if it works better in a sentence, but yeah, mm, depends on how it comes up. Yeah. I usually just say arcade but fire. But yeah, arcade fire, I feel like, yeah, they're they're very formative for the uh, the time period. And also just like, they're one of the big, uh, really pitchfork boosted uh, Canadian indie albums. Although this isn't the, yeah. this isn't the first one they did. Um, I would say like the quintessential uh, Canadian indie album as boosted by pitchfork is probably... Um, you forgot it in people by broken social scene. Uh, yeah, definitely. Or like any of the early new pornographers releases. Cause they, these are all like, these are like the big multi 1 million member bands from Canada, yeah. Canada's <laughs> three biggest cities. So like you got yeah. the new pornographers over in Vancouver, you got um, broken social scene in Toronto. And then of course, out of Montreal, we have arcade fire. Yes. And um, I wanted to, kind of go to our guest first and ask like how you first got into arcade fire. Oh man. Um, so it's not in a cool way. <laughs> um, I, uh, I first got into arcade fire probably when I was in the seventh grade or like the eighth grade. And yep. I found out about them from SNL. <laughs> there you go. Like when I was uh, in middle school, I feel like that was one of my um, only means of learning about like what, um, new music was popular that wasn't yeah. really pop music because because middle school was really when I started to get into a lot of indie music like I was really into Modest Mouse and The Shins and Beck like yeah um, they were I'm on sure, I'm sure um, I was insufferable <laughs> they were on the episode uh that Rain Wilson was the host on I think yes yeah <laughs> yes, that, that was uh, an awesome performance by them if I remember right oh it, it was like mind-blowing Would that have been um, suburbs era? when I was a kid or was that no no was it was really um Neon Bible Neon era. Bible era okay they, yeah yeah, I think they played. I know for sure they played "Keep the Car Running." Yeah, um, the other one was "Intervention." One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which are oh man, we're not talking about that album. <laughs> no, it's a good performance though. You get to see um, when Butler smash that guitar. 
Yeah, um, he really did. Yeah, but from that point on, I was an enormous fan, and <laughs> it was very cool for somebody um, just starting to understand what indie music is at the time. Yeah, I think for me, um, so 2004 was when the album came out, but I didn't obviously hear about it then. I was a sophomore in high school at the time in 04, mm. and uh, I had I was still, I think, in my listening to mostly stuff my parents were into in 04 mm-hmm. and then, right. um, at least for you that's like a pretty good selection of bands yeah it was like like you my know, parents the, weren't the listening to depeche mode <laughs> yeah the b52s depeche yeah. mode you had you had alt parent music taste as <laughs> i like to call it yeah um, i had new wave parents um <laughs> yeah new wave parents exactly there's there's like classic rock parents there's pop parents and then there's new wave parents. Right. My dad listened and to so, a lot of Bob Marley, so. <laughs> and so Arcade Fire for me, uh, I didn't really get into them um, until like right before Neon Bible dropped, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, they, they, they were starting to sort of burn up the blogosphere that I was only just starting to pay attention to. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to this one that they already have out. It's been out for a little bit. And uh, yeah. it was good. Yeah, I just assumed that they were a uh, they were a Nathan inv- they were brought to us by Nathan because that that was that just seems yeah. like the era and also the genre of music. Eventually, we're going to yes. have to get him on this podcast, but he's too busy like being cool, <laughs> being <laughs> a, a professional magazine editor. Yeah, mm. but yeah. Uh, God, I I feel like it, like I would have gotten the album around then, so that would have been like two thousand six ish. Yeah. But, like, I feel like my big uh, actual push into really being into Arcade Fire was, like, after getting into Owen Palette. <laughs> like, I listened to a lot oh, of Owen okay. Palette and then got into Arcade Fire afterwards. Like, I, I, I was aware of the albums, but then it just, like, it never really clicked for me right away. And then another mm-hmm. thing that allowed it to click in my mind um, was Wake Up being in the trailer for Where the Wild Things Are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Which is such oh, a good yeah. use of the I, song. And like I like as like my my familiarity with the album was primarily um the song Rebellion uh which we'll get to. It's near the end of the album. Mm. Um was on Much Music a lot, which was like Canada's MTV. So like they they got a decent amount of airplay here. <gasps> much Music a lot. It's just, it's on <laughs> Much Music, comma a lot. Oh. <laughs> but um <laughs> like yeah, the, the music know, video music would play lot. on there like all the time. And yeah. uh, they, I think they, they also got some like mainstream radio play uh, because mostly just as uh, you are required by law to play a certain amount of Canadian content. So if something actually <laughs> good comes out, um, it'd be good to get the nickel back off your playlists. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, it got it got a decent amount of airplay. So I was always like tangentially aware of it. But then like, yeah, just right. it, it slipped in a bit more after I. Uh, I don't know, I guess started listening to music more, which like now I'm in like the downswing of that. I just don't really listen to music except for this podcast right now. (laughs) It happens. Too many bands. There's too Too many many, bands and it broke my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. um, And and Arcade Fire always seemed to me like back in those days, like they were onto something that was going to like really take off. And I think that I think that it did like in listening to this album so. well we'll we'll get into like how each track sounds specifically but you can hear this album in like a whole bunch of like mainstream pop hits from the last 15 years i mean i think mm. for better or worse arcade fire is responsible for stomp clap 
Yes, stomp, clap, hey. (laughs) Which is very unfortunate and not the kind of uh, legacy that you want to have. Yeah, Arcade Fire invented invented Mumford and Sons. I mean, I I feel like none of those (laughs) bands could exist without Arcade Fire getting popular first. It was literally like they came out of a relatively independent scene. I mean, like they were like Canadian government funded, like most huge bands in Canada are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is when I, I was really, really my first like big, like quote unquote indie band that I was really into in middle school and like started getting me, um, into other bands was Vampire Weekend. And that was the first time I was like, rock music can have violins and violas <laughs> and cellos that you can do that. Yeah. And like that only further that went even further with Arcade Fire, where it was like, you can use a hurdy gurdy in a rock song. <laughs> You could do that. I mean, the funny thing about Vampire Weekend is it was literally just like, they were like, hey, no one's made an album that sounds like Paul Simon's Graceland in a while. Let's just do that. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I kind of, I kind of respect their gumption on on just going ahead with that. Yeah. But yeah, for Arcade Fire, it's just like a lot of people play a lot of different instruments. They saw the and they went for it. (laughs) (laughs) They saw it through the trees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, anything else to say about the band as a whole? I was just going to say like, I, I just think they're a really, really fantastic band. Like I was I was sold immediately when I saw them play on SNL and then, you know, I got into Neon Bible and eventually back to funeral. And when the suburbs came out, I was really, really excited. And then they won a Grammy, which was crazy, and everybody was oh, yeah. saying, Who the fuck is Arcade Fire? <laughs> which was so funny. Um It was pretty funny as I saw thing. them I saw them on the Reflector Tour, which was just so sick. Um and I feel like their newer stuff, like, while it's really different and like it doesn't hit as hard as the early stuff and it's probably not as like inventive or like um groundbreaking it i think it's still pretty good it's hard to be groundbreaking these days i feel like i know it's hard to be groundbreaking anywhere past your sophomore album yeah yeah and i think they sort of got to the point where they were just like let's just like you know no pressure let's just like make some stuff like let's make some dance music let's make a disco album yeah yeah as was the style at the time (laughs) yes Let's um, let's make but, let's yeah, make Todd Terry's it's album time. <laughs> it's very like um I, I think what they really have going for them on this album is like earnestness. And I don't yeah. because I don't really know if it was them or if it's like everything around them that either makes them less earnest or just makes any earnestness they still have not play as well. Um because mm-hmm. I've like I'm I feel like I'm a I'm a very earnest person, but I'm also like a deeply cynical person. Um, yeah. So like you have to really hit a sweet spot for it to not like annoy me. And they yeah. don't mm-hmm. they don't annoy me anywhere on this album. Yeah, me either. Like every choice that they make, like musically, lyrically, I'm like, okay, you know what? I could like I, I see what you're going for with it, and I like it. Oh, totally. Whereas like there are there I mean, are some pro- there are some choices that they make with some of their songcraft in later albums that's just like I don't know something doesn't grab me as well. Yeah, no, I could agree with that. Um, I will say like this album probably even though I got into them on Neon Bible like this is probably my favorite Arcade Fire record and probably just one of my favorite records ever. Like it's it, it it's I feel like it's just pretty much perfect. But I mean we'll get into it. Um. With uh, one more thing I wanted to mention just about the time period is looking at the cover art. You can't place this anywhere else other than early to mid 2000s indie rock. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) no, you're totally right. One thing that that I did find uh, fascinating while I was looking at when I was looking it up is like a lot of bands of the era would use art that kind of looks like this. 
um, yeah. that they like found like thrifting or they found in like an old magazine. But this was actually commissioned by the band, which I thought yeah. was really oh, neat. Cool. It was yeah. like an artist friend of theirs who was doing a lot of paintings like this. And we're like, OK, we can't think of anyone else to do the cover art for our album. And it's like, man, that's how we treat collaboration now. That's how that's how we get Charlie to do our art. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. They saw the they saw the flying Victrola on the in the liner notes of uh, in the aeroplane over the sea, and they were like, "Fuck, we got to do that now." I mean, that's that's yeah. also that's why they're on Merge, right? Was literally because I, I'm pretty sure they signed to Merge literally because it was the uh, the label that had in the aeroplane over the sea on it. Oh, really? That that tracks. It was them or another band like that had that exact anecdote. Mm. i can respect and i don't have it handy so i'm not going to look it up right now but you could people can be feel free to yell at me on twitter if that was someone else um (laughs) i guess before we get into the uh the album tracks itself we could talk about the review yeah so this one got a 9.7 which is not really a score you get anymore on pitchfork no No. (laughs) i I don't think i can name i can name albums with higher scores with like, like similar scores Honestly, I can't think of any that are higher than it that aren't tens, like from the period yeah. after this mm-hmm. album came out. Um, and then those are both tens, which we have covered on this podcast, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And then yep. only things I can think that have gotten even close is Frank Ocean's 9.5 for Channel Orange. And then like a pretty strong bevy of like 9.2s, 9.3s. And then, of course, um, Meriwether Post Pavilion was a 9.6. Yeah, mm, the wet the wet album, the very wet album. It is a very of, wet album that we talked uh, about. The one for that two- David Letterman called uh, that you could, the one that David Letterman said you could buy in the wallpaper section of your favorite store, <laughs> which <laughs> hey, is a pretty one. good joke. Good one, David. Yeah, a pretty, and then we, it's a then pretty we talk, good joke, and we talked about yeah. it for two Christian hours. So <laughs> we did. Yeah. We really are just we we are mm. kind of just working backwards from the highest scores they've given this decade. Yeah, pretty or much. I guess this century. Mm-hmm. All right. And yeah. Uh, um, so the the review was written by uh, David Moore, who's a contributor. I don't know how many reviews he has, um, but I'm going to click his profile and see if he's he has not written for the site since 2004. But he wrote a good number okay. of oh, wow. at the time. <laughs> he he reviewed the the uh, soundtrack for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, which like a 3.9. Fuck you! That album rules. <laughs> that was on Pitchfork. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Because I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, has some, it had some noted folks on it. Yeah, the Flaming Lips, yeah, Wilco, the Shins, and Ween, among others. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's pretty damn good. It's yeah. like, come on, you know your pitchfork, right? You're supposed to like that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the song on that album from Ween, the Moll- uh, was also on The Mollusk, uh, which is another pitchfork album that got a 9.7. The Mollusk got a 9.7? Oh my it, it was God. 90s pitchfork. It was a different time. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. But like... Pretty accurate. Good album. It's a really good album. It's a very good album. Yeah. The review review talks a lot about um, kind of what you were mentioning, like how the earnestness is kind of refreshing. Mm -hmm. And just like, um, you know, I I feel like it's almost like he's taking it very at face value. um, All every all the lyrics on the album, which I which I think you should. But at the same time, it's like. I feel like people can write about tragic things without them necessarily having happened to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it is a lot of things that have happened to them. And the album is largely about like deaths in their family. Like, cause that, that's like the big thing around the album is that like uh, every, every main member of the band lost like a close family member within the year that they were recording it. 
Um, I was going to say, like, I feel like um, it's really interesting. Um, I think it's a success when you could take somebody who sounds as sad as Win Butler does on this album, and it's not grating, and um, it doesn't really sound whiny. It just, like, uh, it just sounds, like, melodramatic, but, like, in a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like he he's of, like, the same school of, not necessarily the same, like, vocal tone but the same school of like emotive singing as like a connor oberst would be or like yeah that's what i was thinking or like gerard way because he's very theatrical but in a in, a, in, a, in, yeah. a, in a kind of a different way than he is he's less sneering he's less sarcastic yeah. so i i feel like <laughs> i feel like it took a couple of albums before win butler was able to sound sarcastic on a song yeah totally <laughs> Yeah, right right here right here he's in his very like back up from the microphone and just caterwaul into the darkness era. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm. it's it's very um it's very flea yelling hey mo from across the vocal booth in the episode of the Simpsons <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Peppers was on where it was so loud that he didn't have to go towards the microphone and you could really tell cuz it was bouncing off the walls. That's what all his vocals sound like. It sounds yeah. like they were recorded yeah. in a public bathroom and it sounds like <laughs> and it sounds like he yelled them from across the room. Yeah. And the thing is it's sa- they sound good. Oh yeah. yeah. Well I mean like the, the album is impeccably really mixed. Like, yeah. the, yeah. the mixing it's, on this album is top is class. Yeah. Which I think is, like, it's partly, like, the, the studio they were in and the engineer that they had, mm-hmm. um, who I think mm-hmm. was also their drummer at the time, uh, Howard Bielerman. He's only oh, listed cool. as drums and guitar, but he is the guy who owns the studio they recorded the album at, so okay. I imagine that uh, he, he pulled a couple of double duties on that. He also played on a couple yeah. of, like, uh, Silver Mount Zion albums, like, a lot of stuff that just comes out of the Constellation Records orbit. Which, like, I imagine Arcade Fire probably could have just been on if they weren't, uh, if they didn't get attention from Merge. Because that's, like, where where Sarah Neufeld releases her solo stuff. They're in, like, a very similar orbit. Mm, That makes sense. All right. We ready to uh, get into the track list here? Hell yeah. yeah. All right. First, we got neighborhood number one, Tunnels. absolutely perfect way to open an album to be honest it's really good it's so good like the lead guitar riff um that repeats like the main hook the is just oh i love it so much like i think this band is also just really good at album openers in general yeah yeah but like there's something just very cozy about how like the song fades in and you get those like piano twinkles and like some strings making some noise, and you just get that like echoey guitar, and and it sounds mm-hmm. like it's like, super far away. Yeah, the piano sounds like that too. It's very twinkly yeah, piano as it. well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, one one thing that really sells this as an opening track is that it very much gets into like all angles of the Arcade Fire aesthetic right away. If you listen to yeah. this song and you like it, you're probably going to like the rest of the album. If you hate <laughs> this song, get the fuck out of there. You, you, you know what you're in for. 
Yeah. No, that's so true. Especially because of how much he yelps on this one. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of yelping, yeah. The names we used to know. (laughs) Yeah. I love that man. Um, I was, I, I never really, I guess I never really thought about the fact that, um, when I think of Arcade Fire, I don't really think about the fact that so many of their songs have kind of like a dance punky kind of beat, like the, like, like, yeah, it's very, they're like deceptively dancey. And I've always yeah. really liked that about them. And like, I mean, they get even more so on their later stuff, like yeah. the Reflector, like that's, we said that's like straight disco. Um, but, um, there's some very dancey songs on this album. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, when it gets into the chorus, um, it has that additional fill that's, I'm not sure if it's like a steel drum or a xylophone that's like playing the, the really fast, like, um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, along with the chords. Yep. I feel like it's a xylophone. Um, I mean, I could, I could just like double check the credits on it, but that seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, should I go? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I love how the guitar, the main melody, it really sounds like it's playing through a broken amplifier. Like, it kind of sounds like <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. really crusty and, like, a little, like, the signal cuts out a little bit at certain points. Yeah. I, I just really love it. Um, I think I'm also just a sucker for the, the whole neighborhood motif on this album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I find really funny in the review. He was like, the, the uh, they say Arcade Fire is not going for, like, a, a suburban aesthetic. <laughs> like, like he used a phrase like <laughs> that. He's like uh, talking about like the urban neighborhoods of Montreal, because like Montreal's very dense in like the part of the city that they live in. Like yeah. most most of the island, because like most of Montreal is um, an island. Yeah, it's all very like dense neighborhoods and wouldn't evoke something like the suburbs. Which yeah, that tracks. But then you know, then you remember that um, that Win Butler and Will Butler are from like suburban Texas. Yeah, and <laughs> originally, yeah, that's that's where they're originally from. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, they um, they moved to Montreal. <laughs> most and going back to like how this song sets the tone for the rest of the uh, album. Most of the rock albums at the time didn't sound like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, not at all. Th- this was when like the White Stripes were at the like peak of their popularity. Um, That's funny to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Like how brutally different from the White Stripes this this sounds like. Right, exactly. The aesthetic that they have, like, with their music on this album is of, like, a huge band playing in a stadium. So I Mm -hmm. I do find it very funny, the idea that they would at any point have been playing, like, clubs. Yeah. Because they were were absolutely... I can't even picture that in my mind. They were absolutely, like, recording above their weight with this one. It makes me think of, like, how... Every song has a lot of room on it. Yeah, it mm. makes me think of how, like, back in their early days, the magnetic fields were playing little clubs, but, like, bringing a cello along. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like if you even saw a band in a small club like this now, you would be like, holy shit. I can't imagine what people were thinking <laughs> when yeah. they would first see them in a small setting like that. It's like... Because I think a lot of people, especially, like, when you get into, like, um, all the very interesting, like, I guess, like, world slash folk kind of instruments that they get into like you know like the um hurdy-gurdy and stuff like that where people are just like i don't even know what that is Mm -hmm. like imagine seeing that at just like a bar (laughs) i'm imagining uh will butler uh like doing his march around the stage with his giant drum just like in Mm -hmm. a little bar (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, like he wouldn't like, have I'm any sure, room. I'm sure he developed that later when they when they got bigger stages, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, how would they ever do that? And like, who would who would not be taking notice of that? Like, yeah. It's just one of those things where, how can you not be like, whoa, what is this band's deal? What are they doing? And then, yeah, plus, like, they have so many, like, supplementary musicians that aren't, like, really, like, in the band per se, but, like, are on all their recordings. Because, like, their, uh, their band photo on the, uh, on the liner notes is just five of them. It's, uh, it's Wynn, Regine, Richard Reed Perry, Timothy Kingsbury, and I think probably Will Butler and not Howard Bielerman, but I'm not actually sure because I don't feel like trying to figure that out from this. Yeah. Um, at the end of the song, uh, Regine comes in with the, Ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Just matching the guitar hook. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her backup vocals on this album are just really great. The whole, the whole way through. Yeah. The two of them together, just really amazing. I mean, the band's all together is amazing, but I've always just really liked, um, their dynamic with each other musically. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 it's like, I like that, uh, that Owen Powell's been with them for so long. It's like, he, he's always just kind of on the periphery. Cause he just, he like writes the strings, does the strings, but is always just kind of mm. around doing his own thing. Yeah. He's like the, the unspoken member of arcade fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're like, their core membership is, um, vague. I'll, I'll say as much. Yeah. Did you notice that, uh, I don't know if you've looked at the genius, uh, for this album, but basically every, every song, almost every line is annotated by somebody. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Big time. People, people got opinions about this one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's very, I mean, like if you just, if you want to talk about neighborhood number one, it's youthful naivety, escapism and alchemy. There you go. I, I summed up every single annotation (laughs) on this page. You did it. More or less. I've yeah. got it down to its bare essentials. Yeah. As much as <laughs> you can wrong, take really. an Arcade Fire song down to anything re- resembling bare essentials. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> that that's just, like, you know, collapsing the themes down. I'm, I'm not writing a good song out of that. He's still... <laughs> there, there's still craft to this, but I feel like people, yeah. like, they, they, they'll, they'll infer a bit more than might actually be there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or they'll they'll extrapolate on something in a way that you know doesn't necessarily vibe with what uh, with what was originally written. Which I mean, that's that's a that's a fair way to look at art. So I'm not really going to begrudge that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, on to neighborhood number two, Leica. Alex you could do do it (laughs) this one sounds like such a like cheerleader cheer Mm -hmm. Sleigh sleigh bells could do a cover of this one yeah exactly (laughs) I remember when I first heard this song I was just like what is he saying what who is Alex who is Alexander and then our older brother he's older he's older brother (laughs) (laughs) set up for a great adventure yeah 
this has the very like indie thing of um doing the everybody shouts the lyrics uh simultaneously yeah. it's funny with this band because they they're almost saying it out of sync with each other mm-hmm. yeah especially when it gets into the into the chorus um yeah like regine's shouts are like like half like half a word over mm-hmm. on on the background yeah, she does yeah she does a sort of like our mother yeah, yeah. should yeah 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 fred schneider impression <laughs> our mother should have the same july do 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 i do like um that the baseline matches the uh shouting the do 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 yeah it's yeah. good do, 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 do. it's so good this one i like the 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 I think it's like a violin um, refrain on it. That's like the that that's also going along with the vocals in the chorus, where it's like do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. This is oh, the so first good. one. This is the first one on the album, also where you can really hear the accordion high in the mix. It's got it yeah, comes yeah. in as part of the intro. That da 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 da. da. Yeah, yeah we, and that matches with the vocals. We got two accordion players too. on this bitch. Yeah, um, yeah, Regine uh, and I think also Richard Reed Perry are both accordionists. Both of them? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, Richard, That's Richard, they're both like super multi instrumentalist types. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like they they each yeah. have they each have yeah. like nine instrument credits to their names on this. Yeah, I mean, so does Win. Like Win has vocals, Jaguar, te- Jaguar, and twelve strings electric guitar, acoustic guitar, piano, synth, bass. Regine has yep. vocals, drums, synth, piano, accordion, xylophone, recorders, and percussions. <laughs> uh, so sick. Richard Reed Perry yeah. has Rickenbacker, synth, organ, piano, accordion, xylophone, percussions, upright bass. Then everyone else yeah. is basically I- like three, three or less. Yeah, yeah. I like that they, they list the models and brands of their guitars. Yeah, I think sick. that's really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, as far as genius goes, um, how many people on there you think were just like they happened to know about Leica the dog and they were like, "Holy shit, I need to annotate <laughs> about this right now!" Holy shit! Oh my god. <laughs> the thing about Leica is that Leica was the last of the dogstronauts. Leica was the last of the dogstronauts. Not enough people say this. <laughs> Not enough people are yeah. saying this. Mm. Um, doggy. <laughs> what do you think the uh, the message is there by invoking the name of uh, the famous Russian <laughs> astronaut dog? Uh, their uh, their brother went to space, and everybody was like, "No, don't." <laughs> I did anyway. I feel like the annotator has this pretty much on. It's like Leica was yeah, Leica sure. was sent up by the Soviet Union, and no provisions were ever made for her return. In the same way that Alexander has no intention of returning to his old life, like mm-hmm. that's yeah. Yeah, that seems pretty straightforward. And I think that's a that's a very like uh, it's a very affecting metaphor to use for for someone leaving on a on a self destructive journey. Of course, Alex had a, Alexander had a choice in it, and Leica did not. Yeah, this right. is and the think- this is the opposite message of Animal Collective's Brother Sport. <laughs> <laughs> This song is about uh, how your brother shouldn't do something that he did. And Brother Sport right. is about how you should do something that you're not doing yet. Yeah, opening right, up. Right. Open up you, open up you, open up you, open up you. Yeah. <laughs> also, that guy's named Matt, I, not Alexander. That's true. <laughs> song's Come on, about Matt. You. you could do it. <laughs> no, I can't. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what a good song. Yeah. 
it's it's a nice uh, shift into uh, a little bit more of a uh, le- maybe a little bit less theatrical than the first track. And so mm-hmm. you get uh, a little bit more of a feeling that this is actually a rock album and it's not just going to be like a musical the entire way through. <laughs> this isn't a Decemberist yeah. album is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I, uh, I like that the, the neighborhood songs all like fit like a completely different sonic universe from each other. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. They set themselves apart so well. And I, I noticed that like, it's really cool that, okay, first two tracks, they're both neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is not a neighborhood. And then they do two neighborhoods again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I appreciate the restraint, not just throwing them all together. I feel like it's mostly yeah. just and because it, if you had, um, if you had Leica and power out next to each other, it would, uh, I don't think it would flow as well because they're, they're two of the more, no, they're, totally they're the two upbeat neighborhood songs. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I really love, um, in this album, how it's like a neighborhood song sort of like once you like, it becomes its own like type of arcade fire song. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Like it's, it's a category now. It's like, Oh, there's one of the neighborhoods. Yeah. Which I think is just neat. I think that's just a good way to, to approach song suites in general. Right. It's like mm-hmm. you, you kind of, you can kind of, you can kind of section them off as their own thing in your catalog. Yeah. Cause like if they were just called tunnels, um, power out and like uh like maybe you wouldn't connect them exactly the same but they really feel like a set yeah other than them yeah. saying neighborhood and all of them i guess yeah that that whole mode mm-hmm. all right but like they wanted you to take note of that yeah exactly yeah so now we're leaving Who's the neighborhood this song <laughs> and we're going to france we are going to france uh matt you want to take this uh song title oh we're doing une année sans lumière Yeah, baby, raised Canadian. Yeah, you nobody mean who Annie, actually spe- Sands and Lumiere. Sands yeah. from Undertale. Sands. <laughs> yeah, he's like the he's the ninth member of Arcade Fire. Uh huh. It's almost rude to 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 infer France with it because of you know how France had historically treated Haiti, which is where Regine's family is from. Mm, right. Yes. Right. But of course, like the the scant references to Haiti on this album aren't uh, aren't too kind about how that uh, country had basically been around her family either which is like i will get to it when we get there but i really had to look it up yeah. to see if it was like um you know you know how family leaving a dictator's regime can mean two different things depending on the bend <laughs> politically of the dictator yeah um i guess it, 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 it's <laughs> sometimes it's it, just rich people who don't want to pay taxes right right yeah i, I guess that makes sense i was able I, to I confirm know, that like, this was not the case and that they yeah. were, in fact, uh, political dissidents who's, who were, like, straight up shot in the streets by the, the regime of said dictator. So yes. just in yeah, case I, anyone I was wondering. Yeah, I didn't have any time to look into the sort of um, historical context of Haiti. And, uh, yeah, I feel uh, like it's a little outside the scope of this podcast, so I don't want to get into it too much. But yeah, it's, right. it's really it's really intense. Is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this this song is, uh, like you said, the first non neighborhood song on the album. Um, and I feel like it's a good 
break uh, after kind of the first two super bombastic tracks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yet, I feel like this song still has like a really nice melodic hook. The do 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 is just yeah. really catchy and nice. It's just like a really chill, cozy little rest in between mm-hmm. those, like you said, those really hard hitting tracks. Yeah, it's it's a testament to uh, the sequencing of the album. I think. Yeah, totally. It's got to be one of the best sequenced albums out there. Like, yeah. I, I, I really so don't too. have any notes as far as the sequencing goes. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's something that we kind of we'll, we'll, we we'll get into on like longer albums that we're not feeling too hot about is like okay I'd probably you know cut this one move this one something mm-hmm. like that but like I really don't have it for this one mm-hmm. which is like yeah, no, that's not, not even something I feel like everything that's not even something I'd say about like the suburbs which is an album that I like but I think is several tracks yeah. too long yeah. I also think the suburbs is a bit too long but yeah with this one it feels just so intentional in how it's constructed like it makes me think of like in rainbows by radiohead like how mm-hmm. just every track just flows tight. in just like yeah it's it's just it's really 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 well crafted yeah um, and, and it's cool too because they sort of bring you into um they get you ready for the energy that the next song is going to bring because the song does this song uh, in particular does pick up in its tempo near the end it's like the mm-hmm. you know yeah. Just reminding you, it's like, we're going to get a little quiet sometimes, but we still know how to freaking rock. <laughs> yeah. It's the we first of, We know of, how to play uh, the I rock think... music. <laughs> yeah. It's the first of, I think, three songs on this album that just kind of change into a different song right at the end. Yeah. 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 And, and one of a few that just like kind of alternate the French and English lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that new song that it changes to at the end, again, very stomp clap hey. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kicks ass though. <laughs> it does. Um, anything you guys else have about anything this on, one? Anything thoughts on the on the lyrics of this one? Because this is one that like, as I, I do like it, but it's it's one that kind of just slides off my brain when I try to recall it, <laughs> which I suppose right. is good for yeah. a palate cleanser track. It does. Yeah. It does slide uh, out of my head a bit because uh, I think two thirds of the lyrics are not in English, and yeah. again, I'm not a big lyrics person to begin with. So, yeah. uh, I really yeah, only think about, not- I really only think about lyrics when I am in this situation where I have to think about them at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, this song is, you know, understanding the words or having them memorized isn't really important. It's really just the song for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, this isn't one of the ones that you'd see them play live and be shouting at the top of your lungs. <laughs> um, I do always, um, when I listen to it, I like to do the little yeah little little cute little woo that they do i am i am imagining now somebody like at one of their shows just screaming the title of this song in between songs like as a request what's that translate to a year without light year without light yeah yeah okay Ooh. The urban clatter of Butler's adopted hometown of Montreal can be felt <laughs> in the foreboding streetlights and shadows of Une Année Sans Lumière. Wow, that is so true, my friend David. Did you just come up with that right off the dome? I sure did. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> is that all you? That definitely yeah. wasn't the, the genius annotation for the album. Look, look forward <laughs> to uh, me writing a uh, retrospective review for Pitchfork uh, on this real soon. Yeah, and just, and just uh, <laughs> quoting yeah. the genius the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right uh next let's get we've back got in na- the neighborhood baby 
yeah. Neighborhood number three, power out. down oh fuck here we go i love this one this is one of the songs where you can really um you you can just hear how well um produced and how well the mix how great Mm -hmm. the mix is on this album like the it really shows off just how amazing this band is at layering different textures with one another Mm -hmm. yeah um and i mean they do have a lot of members but just really unconventional stuff that you wouldn't expect like there's a lot of like guitar um like palm muty, like like that. You know, you don't hear that. Oh, it's so good, right? Like, what I love, what I always liked about this song is that, like, the second it starts, it takes you a minute to be like, "All right, wait, what am I hearing? What instruments are these?" Yeah, they're they kind of it really throws you off balance after the last one. Yeah, yeah, it just sounds like an explosion. Also, like. Like top top two top three as as far as just like drums go on this album, the drums on this track are nuts. Oh yeah, they are so good. Yeah, yeah. I was like, um, a lot of times I'll um like when I practice drums, I'll just like play along to other songs. Um, I, I've been playing to Neighborhood Three a lot. Yeah. just the boom, 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 yeah, yeah, doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's very like, I, it's, a, it's very it's a very disciplined we, beat for one that's so like yeah. relatively complex because those are usually yeah, the kind of fills say, that like, you'll end like a sixteen bar with. But they right. they were doing that as the driving beat, which is nuts. Yeah, no, it's so good, and I feel like that's something that like they get even better at um, like later on down the line. Um, like Neon Bible has a lot of mm-hmm. good ones like that. Well, I guess like my first thought would be also be No Cars Go, but that was also like on their EP first, right? Mm-hmm. But just they they're just so good i i love that um uh shit what was i gonna say oh do we know uh are is it live drumming mixed with drum machine because it it really does like how you were saying it's so um it's just so tight like it almost sounds like a drum machine to me at some, <laughs> some at certain times but i also feel like that wouldn't be very typical of arcade fire of this if era. it is they Easy. don't have it listed yeah Right, yeah. They, they I mean, might have just had like a really snake, good click in the ear. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 super super good. Mm-hmm. Um, what the hell else? Um, oh, the crescendo at the end where um, it's really it's just the drum beat and you get those sort of um, like scratchy strings. I don't know if there's a word for that where they're just like da 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 da, and it's just all scratchy. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like I know what you're talking Stretching it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. It sounds really foreboding. <laughs> and then they just keep going. And yeah, and this, is like, great. this is one of their best like tracks, just like anthem wise, the way they, they have the lyric structure. Yeah. The powers out in the heart of man is like the kind of thing you'd find in a communist organizing pamphlet. I'm not right. going to say I'm not going to say something to the, the politics of the band because I don't know them that well. 
And I don't yeah. think that's something I could really suss out, but like, that's just such a heart of the people shit. And I love it. Yeah. And you know what? It's like, I feel like with so many other bands, like, like if I heard Japan droids say that, I would just be like, shut up. But like, I still enjoy it because it's Japan. <laughs> the thing droids is, and is if Japan droids said it, you, you would have to be reading the lyrics booklet to know that's what they're saying. Yeah. Right. That, that is also true. But like, I, I, it doesn't feel like cringy or like overdramatic for, um, for when, when Butler does it for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it's just going back to how earnest all the lyrics and the vocals sound on this. Album. Also, oh uh, yeah, speaking of the way the vocals are on this track, oh my fucking god, Win Butler is off the shits on this track. Yeah, like he is, he <laughs> is managing to yelp and whisper at the same time, and I just need to just do one line. My impression of it: shadows <laughs> jumping all okay. over the walls, some of them big, some of them small. <laughs> Oh my god, How, he, it, it's so good. His delivery yeah. of some of them small might be my favorite vocal moment on the whole album. It's so yeah, fucking I'll good. Have to, some of them small. I'll small. have to clip that part out. <laughs> I need it for my soundboard when I reintroduce the soundboard uh, to my podcasting. <laughs> Just it's some of them small. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he, he manages to bring a new sort of dynamic to the stuff that he's shouting, and it doesn't really get old in the song. Yeah. Like, uh, is it a dream? Is it a lie? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, he manages to go through so many kind of like personas, almost like the some of them small, just like super timid Wynn Butler. Yeah. And there's just like screaming off the shits. The dynamics on it are nuts too, because like they're almost yeah. are all they they sound like they're the same volume. So like it, mm, it, yeah. either he has like extremely good microphone technique or they had someone on the sliders being diligent. Yeah. <laughs> like, I also yeah. just love the, the the xylophone going the whole time. That's just like like it's literally just it's just beeping, basically. Yeah. Uh huh. And I, uh, I feel shit. like this uh, this type of sound sort of paved the way for, like, people getting into, like, The Monitor by Titus Andronicus a few years later. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because that, that, the whole thing with The Monitor is that it's very, like, very dynamic and just very shouty. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And, un- and, like, unapologetically earnest, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that, that album's 10 years old now. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> what, what, we will be covering it on this show eventually just mm, yeah for sure we, we either i guessed for it mm, good ass album i love that album yeah i think it's good i think it got a remaster too, right? yeah that that was that was this year like, yeah i saw that and i was like i know i'm not like actually old but man i feel old <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know what it is about albums being remastered that is that makes me feel older than like video games being re-released <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Like the uh, the album sounded fine to me previously. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> um, and I and like I listened to the remaster, and I was just like, "Yep, it's still the monitor, and it still sounds great." Yeah, it's yeah, still really good. I feel like I sometimes think... you, you you have to have someone with just like the most discerning ear actually tell you what's different. Sometimes I'm yeah. just like, yeah. oh, like sometimes when they someone does a remaster, they're like, "Oh yeah, I had a problem with the way the vocals were mixed. There was like." Mm-hmm. There was some like bad samples here that I replaced with better quality ones, like stuff like that. Where they'll, yeah. they'll they'll just tell you straight up, like this is what we're doing. But sometimes it's just like a guy going in and applying like a selective amplifier to make the whole thing a rectangle. So, <laughs> right, yeah, I need to like just like send it to Nick Pittman one day and just be like, can you tell me why this is better? 
Yeah. <laughs> you have to put them over each other on Audacity, invert one of them, and find exactly what the differences are. Right. <laughs> it, the the difference is just like when Butler like saying Paul is dead over and over again throughout the album. <laughs> Uh, next, we've got neighborhood number four, Seven Kettles. This oh, one, is it seven kettles? It is seven kettles. Oh, I thought it was just kettles. Fake fan over here. My, bra- <laughs> my brain always reads it as four kettles because like, I read neighborhood number four and then that's the number of kettles. Yeah. Um, there neighborhood are kettles. number seven kettles. <laughs> there are kettles in the mix of this song. I, which I did love. not notice until I listened to it today. <laughs> yeah. I did not realize that they, they there are actual kettles in this song and I was like, I love this song even more. Yeah, I listened to it on, I was listening to it just like off of YouTube earlier because it was like the easiest thing to do without actually plugging in my music hard drive. And like, I think I, I, mm. I could kind of tell they were there. I was listening to them on like a fancy MP3 player afterwards. And I was like, oh yeah, there's mm. fucking kettles there. That's sick. Oh yeah, they're there. And it sounds good. <laughs> they harmonize, yeah. they t- harmonize the fucking kettles with the violins. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. They somehow took the mo- one of the most annoying sounds and made it music. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they, they sure didn't did. put them in that loud, which I think is very much to their credit. Yeah, they definitely. are mixed in well. Also, yeah, there's the do 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 like that. That's just like yeah. man, that's yeah, that's this every band man is so good at hooks. Yeah, they are. Yeah, uh, when Butler, one of the lines in this song is is saying just some water getting hotter, and so I wrote down when Butler said that's an awfully hot coffee pot. <laughs> <laughs> that's an awfully hot coffee pot. <laughs> Um, that, that was one thing that that uh, I remember. I was, I was looking at the inv- annotations for this one. They say a wash pot won't ever boil. While I close my eyes and nothing mm-hmm. changed, just some water getting hotter in the flames. And it's like <laughs> took this phrase, phrase literally and stopped watching the water, but it didn't boil. Likewise, the society in this song wasn't going to improve in the blink of an eyelid. And I don't know. It, it feels like it's like it feels like it's saying that you just gotta wait, right? Mm. <laughs> like I feel like you, yeah, you kind of missed that part of it. Yeah. But it's also just um, like, you know, I, I feel like the song also just is implying that you need to put some agency into it and not just let the water boil around you. But right. <laughs> my eyes are covered by the hands of my unborn kids, but my heart keeps watching through the skin of my eyelids. Kids eyelids is the worst rhyme on the album. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so- like it. <laughs> it sounds like shit. <laughs> they, they, uh, the two of them got kids yet? I don't think they do. I, I feel like when Butler's always singing about how he wants kids. Yeah, he he's only forty one. He's got some time. Yeah, I mean it's not <laughs> in my business. I was just curious. Oh, actually, I also think they would be really really good parents. According to Wikipedia, they do have uh, a child uh, as of twenty thirteen. Okay, there you go. Well, hell yeah, Edwin Farnham so. Buster Butler the fourth. Whoa, <laughs> that's Whoa. that is the most arcade fire ass name I've ever heard. Yeah, that's an arcade fire ass <laughs> name. I wonder if that Who kid's gonna have it. <laughs> that, that that child will play hoop with stick. Mm. Get that Probably child in the already. NBA All Star game. That kid's a that kid's a chimney sweep. <laughs> Again, Hello. this isn't a Decemberist album. <laughs> I'm Edward Farnham the Fourth. <laughs> That's the only way he could sound. 
It just makes sense. Yeah, this is a cool song. I like it. It's yeah. a good song. It's a nice little, um, like, final neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, a very then different we... feel than the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <sighs> then we get into Crown of Love. which I think starts the second side of the album. That that would make sense. I feel like, um, if anything, that was the intent, because I feel like this is, I mean, like, this is the second half. Totally yeah. feels that way. This one's a yeah. waltz, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. It almost I, feels I, like a doo-wop song. It really does in the way, like, it kind of lilts. But I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever a song is a waltz, and I'm not 100% sure right away, because, like, I'm just bad at music um, and counting... Um, is yeah. always when I try to walk to it and I'm like, what the fuck are my feet doing right now? <laughs> Cause yeah. like a good four, four is like such an easy thing to go along to. Even if it's a fast beat, then you could subdivide. Right. If it's a waltz, I'm fucked. If I can't go, fa- <laughs> if I can't go fast enough. And this one's pretty fast. It's like, yeah. if you want me. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a lot yeah. faster than I'm capable of walking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this is um This one's cool. I, I really uh, like this one because um this is something I didn't really notice until I was reading the genius annotations. Um, but like the narrator of the chorus isn't clear right away, and he sings mm-hmm. it by himself the first two times, and then it's very clear that it's like the partner's answer to him in the third one, and that's where Regine joins him singing it. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. Oh, that's cool. Because it's like, th- this just... this guy, because like, it, it, it becomes kind of obvious over time because like all the verses are about like how much he's like basically obsessed with this person. And then the chorus mm-hmm. is like, I'm breaking up with you because I do not love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what it means by I snuffed it up before my mo- mom walked in my bedroom. Yeah, I saw that line. I was thinking about that. Like, was he, was he, was he jerking off? <laughs> well, so I, what, I, what I don't get about is, is like the spark is not within me. Okay, I get that in the context of like the relationship isn't really there for you anymore. Right, um, right. But I don't know what it could mean in that context. It's like they're. It's almost like it's an unrelated line. Do you think maybe it's yeah. like he's reading a letter from his love by candlelight or something old fashioned like that? He's, that would track. He snuffs out the candle before his okay. mom can see that he's still awake reading that shit. He, here's a, here's a genius okay. annotation from nine years ago. A good long time ago, Whoa. probably when the site was still rap genius. Uh, this line is misleading <laughs> because you do not yet realize that the previous stanza is the girl speaking. So at first, it's, at first glance, it seems to refer to the spark being snuffed out. In reality, it is referring to him snuffing out his pains of love so that his mom doesn't see him cry. Oh, his pains of love. Yes. This, this is actually this is genius word choice. Okay, um, as he is able to mislead you and hide his feelings the same way he hides them from his mom. Okay, sure. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, like the, the this whole album is from the perspective of like childrens and teens, mm-hmm. for like a, in a very big way because like it's um it's like I, I almost I almost it almost feels bad to call it a lyrically naive album, but it's like it's a lyrically naive album in the perspective that the the songs are all written from. I would yeah. say yeah, I would I, say I that he's taking them. Say. I would say that he's saying them from a point of maturity or at least relative maturity. But like he is mm-hmm. writing a series of like teenage unreliable narrators who just have huge feelings that they're not really sure how to how to how to get out. 
Yeah, so yeah, this album very, came out 17 years ago, and if Win Butler's 41 oh now, that would make him 24 at the time. Fuck sakes. Oh my god. And Younger than me? Yeah, and then uh. like consider that like most of these songs had been gestating for like a good two years. Right. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he wrote them Man. pretty young. Right. It's badass. It's it's that early 20s maturity wave that you always get. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, the end of the song is just him basically, like, breaking down. It's like, your name yeah. is the yeah, only word, the only word that I can say. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, and it gets dance punky again. It gets dance it punky, as one does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, you just get like those really dissonant strings where it's, like it sort of doesn't fit, but I think that's on purpose, mm-hmm. where it's like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Owen Powell went off on this one. And then the song segues into Dancing on My Own by Robin, obviously. It's just a natural follow. And then, yeah, that dissonance kind of. At the live show. They kind of do a transition here into Wake Up, right? I feel like they kind of think so. Yeah. Yep. Love a good gapless transition. Oh, oh. With wish that I ha- wish that I had a player that could do gapless properly um, because I don't currently, mm. which is irritating. Oh, that's got to be a nightmare. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks so bad. Yeah. I hadn't thought about this song "Wake Up" having been in the "Where the Wild Things Are" trailer for since that trailer came out. But immediately I remembered <laughs> that it was yeah. there. Yeah, like well, if, if you were to re-listen thing- to the song right now, I'm sure you could visibly in your head see the shots of the wild things running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think it was just a, a the it was just a matter of that trailer getting so much um, screen time all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like like and and the movie was by all accounts was, okay at best. Yeah, right. it was just okay, and I think. Uh, it, you would have a lot of moments like if you were watching TV where because uh, because the trailer usually would just if it's a short trailer, it would immediately start with. Oh, yeah. oh, and you would have a moment where you're just like, oh, they're playing wake up again. Mm-hmm. It's wake up again. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of like, I think, you know how um, um, like when you see a commercial for some business or some, um, I don't know, like medication. And you get like a generic version of a song yeah. that sort of sounds like a different song. There, mm-hmm. this once the "Where the Wild Things Are" trailer came out, I feel like so many commercials were doing like, "All right, we're gonna do uh, we have wake up, but at home." Yeah, we we have wake up <laughs> like, at home. Yeah, <laughs> like there were. I feel like there were. This was like it was almost like a weird kind of trend where a lot of other people tried to do like. I don't know. It, they they still explain, do this like, now with control with uh, commercials. But what they found was e- like they for a while they were just hiring like soundalikes to do like versions of a song because I know this happened to Beach House a few times and Beach House literally mm, actually yeah. like sued a brand for basically oh, just wow. doing a rip off of one of their songs for a commercial when they said no. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think what they found is a lot easier is just finding some shitty indie band that sucks like X Ambas- <laughs> like X Ambassadors or something. Uh, with that shitty song Renegade or like 
you know, just just some like one of those bands that would only exist in a world post Arcade Fire and just getting them to do it uh, because you don't have to pay yeah. them that much. Right. Yeah, or just the Black Keys. Or just the Black Keys. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, like, it, it's funny because I think I don't really go back to this song super often, probably because of how overplayed it was because of the trailer, which is a shame because, like, I do I, I do think it's a good song. It's, oh, yeah. Um, it goes the I don't, fuck I think off lot, live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally does. Um, and I mean, like, well, we're we're talking about when Butler like um, really just like screaming at the top of his lungs. There's a whole you know near the end of the song where he's basically just like <laughs> like he's just like really, really, really into it. And it's great. It's a really good song. Um, it, it's got some like cool key changes at the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I like the ending where um, it sort of does like that lust for life tempo change mm-hmm. or the do, 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 like it's they, they keep it interesting it this, literally this song it was literally basically destined me. to become a teen anthem oh yeah yeah <laughs> the specific way it goes uh makes me think the, the the way the song sounds at the end now just reminds me entirely of the shonen knife cover of when you sleep i don't think i've ever heard that but that sounds amazing oh it's amazing yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, and this is like that. some of my favorite like lyrics on the album. Like they're all very simple, um, but they're yeah. they are evocative in like a very <laughs> <laughs> in a very particular way. Ernest. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's evocative, gets the people going, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I <laughs> like the children don't grow up. Our bodies get bigger, but our hearts get torn up. Is like that is a line that you have to say with such conviction for me to not give you a fucking wedgie. I mean, I, can, yeah, I, totally. couldn't give, I couldn't give Win Butler a wedgie because that that dude tall as hell. But he's so tall. He's really tall. I also I also wrote that line down. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, and it's like the only line of this entire album that doesn't have an annotation on genius. Like, come on. I mean, I guess it's Weird. I guess it's self explanatory enough. Yeah. And then yeah, that's covered by him yeah. um, saying a, like lines that I would not be able to tell you without reading them in front of me. Just a million little gods causing rainstorms, turning every good thing to rust. Fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) Like that's such a, that's like a a transformative nature of the childhood experience shit right there. That's like, it's, it's good. It's like, this this, this is the children's view of the world. When you, when you tell a kid that the world is unfair and then you reply to him, deal with it when like the child's, view of the world is i'd want to change this this is like that yeah. that parable made into a song that's the kind it's, of lyric that really immediately good. like win butler channels that energy into being good at basketball in the uh, celebrity all-stars <laughs> game i was hoping we talk about the basketball <laughs> he bundles up his oh, feelings man. into that ball and hoops <laughs> he dunks he does yeah. dunk god the, the win butler basketball photos give me so much joy <laughs> Especially when he's, ne- he's especially especially during the year when he was uh, when he was playing on the All Star team with Muggsy Bogues because Muggsy's short, like yeah. Muggsy's like you know the shortest basketball, the shortest NBA player yeah. to ever happen. Our bodies get bigger, but our ACLs get torn up. 
I love that pretty much every photo of him playing basketball, he's got he's cheesing it big time. Like he's having such a good time. Well, yeah. I mean, like if he hadn't moved to Canada when he did, and like moved to Canada, like like let's say he was like ten years younger, shift everything over, he probably would have played like good like college university basketball. But the scene did, didn't oh, totally. the scene didn't exist when he was in high school, right? Because mm-hmm. like the Raptors only started in the mid nineties, so basketball basically yeah. just didn't exist in Canada. Well, imagine being an arcade fire and being good at a sport. Yeah, fuck you, win. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Little do then, we know yeah, that Regine another... is, like, really good at lacrosse or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the end part of this song, the lightning bolts are glowing. I can see where I'm going. Because it's like, yeah, the, 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 first, so the first half of the song is very, like, the world kind of sucks, but we're going to show our emotions about it. And the second half is, we're just having a good time with our lightning bolts. Yeah, yeah, there's like a lot of childlike wonder on this album. Yeah. Like even going back to the first track where it's like, I dig a tunnel from my window to yours. Like that's such like cutesy kid shit. That's such cutesy that, like, kid shit that I have distinct yeah. memories of literally being like, man, what if there was like an underground tunnel that connected my, yeah. all my friends' houses with each other? And then I could just like <laughs> do like a bees line right to their house without having to go outside. Yeah, literally. I mean, to be fair, winters also really do suck here, so... Yeah. <laughs> the less time spent outside, the better. Mm-hmm. Your skin gets thicker from living out in the snow. This is true. That's what I say. <laughs> All right. So that's that's that track. Now we're moving on to Haiti. IET. Yeah, IET. Um so this First this one where- is uh this one is uh got Regine on the uh, lead vocals cuz it's her big uh, moment to reflect on uh her past specifically around uh her family fleeing the country. Yeah, cuz like well to be clear, like they they did all they all fled, fled the country before she was born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's she's not that old either, but right. um, yeah. yeah, the the nineteen sixties, as many times in Haiti, were were not particularly great times to be a political dissident. Uh, and yeah, she ended up losing a lot of family members. <laughs> like her her fam, like a lot of people in Haiti would fl- would go to like New Orleans. Her family settled in like the Montreal area, and then a bunch of family that was left behind like died, which are mem- mentioned on the song. Yeah, mm. and yeah. <laughs> And the forest we are hiding now just makes me think of Forest Families by The Knife, another song about <laughs> about hiding because they suspect you're a communist. Right, yeah. <laughs> they said we have a communist in the family. Had to wear a mask. Yeah, good song. Good song. It is a good song. And it, it sort of um, foreshadows, like, um, I, I, I feel like they did a lot of, um, like, um, um, like, God, what's the fuck? They did a lot of... Um, uh, fundraising for Haiti during um, what was it? The there was a really horrible uh, the earthquake. Was it a the disaster? earthquake in 2010. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I was, that was. Now. I mean, like that's probably the bet. That would probably. I'm not gonna like just prefacing before I say this. I'm not saying it was a good time, um, but it was probably the best time for Arcade Fire to be fundraising specifically because they had the most eyes on them in like yeah, late totally. 2010, early 2011. Um, you yeah, know, like I've got a I've got an Arcade Fire 
Haiti shirt. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like, so they were they were always doing stuff for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And doing stuff for Haiti in a good way, and not in like the Hillary Clinton way. Yeah, and not like <laughs> yeah, like not. <laughs> And not being like, look how great we are for, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very much just like, it, it, it felt like a very personal connection. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, it, it's really sweet. Um, and the song's great too. Mm-hmm. She sounds amazing yeah. in this song. Like she hits some high notes. Like she's, she's just amazing. Yeah. But yeah, me cousin de So like the, 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 one of the lines in the first, in the second verse there, just talking about like, you know, cousins that she never had because like her aunts and uncles died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Led Nuit de Duvalier, that's the name of the dictator, and uh, the knights of under his regime. Rien n'arrête no esprit. Oh, that's awful pronunciation. Nothing stops our spirits. But that that uh, the the uh, the translation there is like this might be referring to like the dead family members, but that's that's more spirits in the like our spirits than it is yeah. like ghosts. So I right, I, no, totally. I can go in and be like I know better French than you. Thanks. <laughs> and yeah guns can't kill what soldiers can't see good stuff it genius claims the last verse is actually uh will butler singing yeah i noticed that i, I when i i did see that when i was listening to the album the first time and i listened for it the second time i think it's both of them um yeah but there there is a male vocal there yeah is maybe it's it just is- because will's french is better than wins <laughs> that could oh, yeah, be maybe I, I mean i feel like they probably also don't sound that different no, I doubt it. Yeah. But Was yeah. it when Butler actually, like, also, uh, like, raised in Texas before well, yeah, he they, ended up they, moving they, to he, Canada? Like he, I actually don't know how much older he is than Will Butler. That's probably a, a point to note. Yeah. Mm. But um, not something that I feel like taking the time to look up. But yeah, no, it's, it's a very beautiful song. Um, don't ask me about the politics any deeper than she yeah. had family members who died because this is, I feel like we need like, you know, less people who aren't from Haiti talking about Haiti. Um, yeah. because it's, yeah, it's, that's true. it is very much historically a place that God, there was like a fucking like democratic symposium in Haiti recently and like democratic and heavy scare quotes. And it was like mm-hmm. delegates from a whole bunch of other countries and zero delegates from Haiti. So that that's that that basically yeah. is a big oh, sum up of how politics in Haiti are treated like at all times. Uh, right. Awesome. Great. Long and short. Fuck France. Fuck the United <laughs> States. Fuck Canada. Fuck the Dominican Republic. There we go. Long live Arcade Fire. Yeah. Long live Arcade Fire. Uh, and then this song um, does a neat transition right at the end with the driving drum oh, yeah. beat. And then we get into the big single. Rebellion Lies. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I sure hope it does. This is another one where I just fucking love the lyrics on this one. I always felt like this one was your favorite. Oh, yeah. On, no, on it, this album. For, for a while, it was like the only song I'd listened to from this album. Because <laughs> it was the one I knew the best. I was familiar. I'd seen the music video a bunch of times. Like, it would yeah. play on the radio here. I'd see it on the TV here. I downloaded an MP3 of it from fucking LimeWire. 
<laughs> it's a good ass song. I don't even have that many notes about this one in particular because it's like it's it's just like really perfect in its simplicity and mm-hmm. like, what more can you really say about it? It's just a really great song. Um and it it's I guess one of the last like really fast songs on the album. I feel like it's a good closer in that regard, even though it's not a closer for the whole album. Yeah. It, with it the power chords. It feels like a closer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With the power chords and how it's like a really straightforward 4-4 four, four type of deal. It, yeah. It's almost mm-hmm. kind of like a pop punk song. Yeah, like it really never stops. Yeah. As opposed to their other songs that have like different interludes and like bits and pieces. Oh, yeah, this that song just builds change. the like, whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really never, never stops. Because like every part that's introduced in the song is there like near the end of the song. Especially like the yeah. um, the Owen Pallet violin lines get like louder and louder and start like layering on each other. And then, of course, there's the. Never always you always got to think about the two claps. Yeah, those two two claps. You got to get ready for them. You have to be ready to do them every time. (laughs) Hmm. Also, just the baseline is so remarkably simple, Mm -hmm. but it somehow pumps you up like no other. Do 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 do. Dum dum. Get that piano going. Like man, that's the thing. They're they're texturing and they're. Um, I feel like there's a lot of um, oh, ask and answer, yeah. you know, with these with the instruments yeah. on this album. And the lies, like, yeah, they, with the lies, lies in the chorus, just like the, every time you close your eyes, lies, lies. And then, of course, like the the mid the mid refrain key change to the other the second half of every time you close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where we just switches to the other other way to sing it. Ah, good. <laughs> yeah, Man, the the, the the lyrics that repeat over and over again. Maybe even more so than any other song on this uh, album. Like, it seems engineered for this to be, like, one of the big live show staples. Oh, my God. Yeah, they uh, they closed. I believe they closed their set with this one pretty much every time. Um, They at least did when uh, when we saw them. I have to actually double check and see if they did an encore there. I don't think they did. They don't really seem like they would at a festival set. Um, I mean, uh, as... as, um, as Pup says, encores are bullshit. Go home. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, you we know what? all the it's, stuff uh, we not wanted to. They, they went from Rebellion into Here Come to the Nighttime and closed with Wake Up. So I think, a, I think they might have done one. an extended break from yeah. between Rebellion and Here Comes the Nighttime. Because I really remember one thing that was... Uh, they, they did like a kind of... I don't know if they walked off the stage entirely or if they just kind of did like a, a false exit kind of thing. Um, but what, what happens is like the the drum bit plays and like the audience started doing the the violin line the do 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 fucking great and then this is like yeah, I'm not- a huge festival set too there's like you know a good forty thousand people there yeah, I'm trying to figure out now like I was just like oh now I want to know what the set list was when I saw them I I, I have um, mine open I'm, now I'm, I'm looking at it it was some good shit. It was, uh, was it Reflector era? It was 2016, so it was post-Reflector, uh, but they really didn't play all that much from Reflector. They played Reflector, yeah, the, I, Afterlife. It very well might have been the same. It might have been the same set list, honestly. Uh, just because I remember the Reflector tour in general was just like really staged in a way that was really elaborate. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, um, I like that like, they got to like basically every song that I really, really like from the oh, first yeah. two albums. And the summers, here, here, I just posted here. the set list in the in the Discord. Like yeah, this is fucking great. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm now remembering the 2014 uh, Arcade Fire tour with Dan Deacon as the opener. 
Oh my god! Oh, that's that's where I that's where I saw them. I I, <laughs> I fucking wish the, I saw the them on that tour, that. but I don't think they played in Canada it's, on that tour. It was it was Dan Deacon and the Unicorns. Oh right! I fucking hate you, Gary. Yeah. I forgot that I hate you. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, well the thing is, I missed pretty much all of the Unicorns set. I, I was Fuck late me. and I walked into them to yeah. like their last song, and I was really really upset. But I did get to see them on the stage. I'm so pissed yeah. off that they only played one show in Canada for that <laughs> whole fucking reunion, and it was in Montreal, which That's is way too rude. far from me. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> we just covered the Unicorns too. We did, yeah, with with Janos. Such a good album. Their their album is so good. Mm-hmm. Honestly, surprised there was not there was there wasn't more interplay between them and Arcade Fire. I guess they 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 definitely run in similar circles, but not like not like all the bands in Broken Social Scene similar circles, but like yeah, maybe some friends with each other kind of circles. I yeah, I, I don't think that'd be too far fetched. I was just thinking recently, like man, I want to see Arcade Fire live again. Like, I just <laughs> I'd love to see an Arcade Fire show. I mean, I'd like to yeah. go to shows again at all, but. Uh, yeah not right now i'll wait a little bit longer mm-hmm. yeah but like that's just the, the, they're one of those bands that when you see them live like you know you're it's not like you're not going to hear any songs you know they're going to play all, you know what songs are yeah i mean what was particularly impressive is that it was a festival set and they got that much in yeah, yeah i mean they bad. were the headliners but still you rarely are going to get a 19 song set at a fucking festival yeah for sure yeah and yeah no this this song just fucking whips dude <laughs> yeah, it really People does. Say that you'll die faster than Sleeping without is water. Water, and then water. No, it's just a lie. <laughs> so so war- so warbly on that one. And yeah, no, that's like some of the most like childlike lyrics on this one. Being like, "What bedtime?" Is th-? Like you could sum this song up by saying, "Bedtime is fake." Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this so song true. is bedtime is fake. That's what the rebellion is. You don't want to go to bed. Yeah. And yet it fucking yeah. whips this hard and rules this much. Like, how do you do that? Here's the here's you the moon. It's the all covers. right. You hide under the covers with uh, the worm light on your Game Boy Color, and you <laughs> play Pokemon <laughs> to the early hours of the morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what the uh, that's what the game the gamer stage on uh, Super Smash yeah, exactly. Brothers is about. Gamer stage, <laughs> the gamer stage from WarioWare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't let mom find out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's what you're really. That's the light you're stuffing out, so mom doesn't see. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the worm light on the Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, just we one more. All, we were all nine volt one. in that moment. Yeah. Yes. One more. One more tune, and it's great. It's the yep. longest one on the album, too. It, it really, it's really, it's kind of a meandering one, but not in a way that's like, like I'm like checking the time. It's yeah. just like, yeah, no. It's it's literally just winding down the emotion of the album, because especially yeah. because of how like high Rebellion went. It's literally yeah. just to slow your heart rate back down before the album's done. So this is in yeah. the back seat. As someone who doesn't like... have his license, I agree with the with the theme of this song. <laughs> uh, the um, drop in this song is maybe one of the best moments on the album. Yeah, um, just when it get it all of a sudden goes real heavy, and they're sort of leading up to that 
for the whole beginning of the song, just like, you know, something's coming, those strings are building, and like, just the, like, it's, it's, it's the heaviest they get, yeah. probably. I just really like the, like, central metaphor of this song of, like, driving being adulthood. Um, yeah. Because I, as a person who cannot drive, often have that very specific nightmare where you're in the backseat of a car, the car is moving, and there's no one in the driver's seat. I feel like this is the kind of dream you only get if you're someone who never learns how to drive. (laughs) Um, It's it's just, it's it's very particular to that. And it's like, yeah, I moved into my adulthood, and like, in this case, it's like her mom died, and that was like her guiding force. Mm -hmm. And she's been learning to drive her whole life. And I remember learning how to drive. <laughs> and then, yeah, it just, and then just like that emotional catharsis at the end of the song where it just gets really heavy and she just starts like yelling. Yeah. yeah. Plus the whole idea of like the backseat as a concept being like backseats for the kids. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's, it's really like as like cliche as it sounds like it's a state of being where most of the time as a kid, you're in the backseat of, probably your parents car or whatever mm-hmm. side note so i'm that, like old enough to remember i'm old enough to remember when back seats only had lap belts by default oh wow <laughs> oh god <laughs> that that's that uh in retrospect was not the the safest place not uh, ideal no no not great yeah not great for safety um but yeah like it's just like it builds the whole song around that very simple metaphor and i really like it i think it's a perfect place to yeah, close yeah i like it too it's mm-hmm. like me too it, 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 it's it's like yeah. the whole album basically is a lot of childhood metaphors for growing up. And they just, yeah. they really just, they, they got the last one in there. Yeah. And I'm also just, yeah, I'm not glad to hear any so Regine well. tracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really good that she got to be the one to close everything out, especially with how heavy it gets. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Just imagining the album yeah. as like a continuous document. I'd like to just imagine it's like, okay, I'll sing this one because when blew his voice out on the last track. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like okay okay gotta make sure we gotta make sure he's okay gotta make sure you throw you <laughs> i was gonna say y'all gotta make sure you throw that drop a clip of it just because oh yeah yeah sure. so good i do like putting in <laughs> clips of drops <laughs> yeah, and I, I really liked that the song the this song sort of ends in like a really slow decrescendo where you're getting like those squeaky strings again, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a nice um uh it it kind of circles back to the beginning of the album where it's very like twinkly and like it's fading in it's like yeah you're, you're being slowly introduced to the album and now like as as calm as it entered in the beginning it's exiting mm-hmm. I think I just it's so good that's album sequencing baby yeah. Oh yeah, they they absolutely crushed it for this album as far as the sequencing goes. Just no it's the notes. kind of album that it. makes you like albums as yeah. a concept. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I think that's exactly. that's really that's really where I come down on this one. Yeah, yeah. Like it just this, which is it's it's what's really good is that like some albums that like that really make you like albums as a concept, the songs don't work individually. Um, but that's yeah. not really yeah. the case here. Yeah, not at all. I feel like I was when I was in middle school and I was getting into this band, I wasn't like an album guy yet. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't really understand like, oh, albums, you know, really kind of exist to listen like something. Well, you know, 
not every album, but many albums are you're you're supposed to take them as a whole and not just their individual parts. Yeah. But um I got into all these songs kind of detached from the album and mm-hmm. like eventually I just went back to the album and I was like, Oh, they're all good. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like they're all just amazing. And yeah, like this, the way they work no... in sequence like does like so much for the like emotional resonance of them, like the way the builds yeah. and the songs feel. Absolutely. I feel like the the yeah. pacing of the album is it is just perfect. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a cool impeccable. 48 minutes, which is the longest any album should ever be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. There's no skippers. No skippers. I'm, 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 I'm not skipping any songs on this album. Like <laughs> it's just one you can throw on. Yeah. This this I feel like was kind of in that weird middle spot where there were bands that just kind of stopped trying to make the radio single uh, be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm totally, sure there was totally. a single that was released ahead of this album, but it doesn't seem like that, like any of them were engineered to be that. Oh, yeah. I, apparently right. this album had like had a bunch of singles. I actually need to look at the uh, Wikipedia page for it again. Yeah. I feel like it's probably one of the slow ones. Rebellion, maybe Wake Up, I think. Yeah, that would make sense. I, I feel like maybe um, Neighborhood 4 um, and the other two I just met. So I, I'm just um, looking at the ones that have Wikipedia articles. And hmm. um, Neighborhood 1, 2, and 3 have them. And Wake Up and Rebellion have them. Wow. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that those okay. are the five singles from this. Yeah, I think that... that yeah, yeah, Wake, Wake Up was the totally final tracks. single. Okay. Um. It was released as a one-sided seven-inch vinyl in 2005, like a full year after the album came out. Oh, weird. I imagine I that just... I, th- it might have been, like, I don't think any of these were in advance of the album. It might have just yeah. been mm-hmm. the album was very big. Hey, let's put out some singles. That's probably good for money. Yeah, I actually just got, um, I from my partner Liv, uh, they're super into Arcade Fire, and I, I happened to find an old record store day um, repress of the neighborhood one single now that i think about it and i think the big the b-side it has a what the hell is it called called like best buddy my buddy by alvino ray my buddy (laughs) yeah okay ray is the maternal grandfather of arcade fire members win and william butler it was a song by their grandpa who is a swing musician oh my god that's so great (laughs) so this is kind of a marvelous situation uh neighborhood number one as far as i could tell was the only single released in advance of the album and all the other ones came out after the album okay oh man i have to to tell them now um also like this is their first album yeah (laughs) that's insane like they had an ep and that's it and like that that had songs that were on this and like some songs that never came out and then i think no cars go right was also on the ep yeah no cars go is on that um let me look it up um and that was in it was recorded in summer 2002 yeah um yeah so well, it's merge, did, flame. merge did reissue it though that's neat oh cool yeah it's um i think oh no i think the oh only yeah one yeah on no there... go is the only track that they revisited later the yeah, other songs are, none of these are from um, are from funeral the next album i guess that kind of makes sense because funeral was very much steeped in like the experiences they had in the two years leading up to the album yeah, no, totally. Because it's just, you know, about their families dying. Yeah. 6.8 on the EP on Pitchfork. Yeah. Was that after the reissue, or was it initially in 2002? Uh, let's look. Um, uh, let's see. 2005? Okay, so that was the reissue yeah. of it then. Yeah, like, reissue. I, I feel like if they had reviewed the EP, like, yeah, on its own, on its own without the context of Funeral, they might have rated it higher. 
But like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. having that come out after funeral, they're like, well, what's this shit? Yeah, oh, yeah I guess because <laughs> it, it, it says like it literally like you just couldn't buy it. Like it was all self-release shit that you could probably only get it at their shows, you know, when they were playing. Yeah, it, like, and then, yeah, Mercury yeah. issued it probably just, you know, for dollar signs reasons, which I don't begrudge them. <laughs> It's like, hey, yeah. we got some other arcade fire stuff that we have the masters to. Let's uh, let's put out a short run of CDs. In the meantime, yeah, while we're waiting for number two. Yeah, yeah, geez, well, I, this album really does hold up, huh? Yeah, oh, it does, and like, I think it just did a really great job of changing a lot of people's idea of what like indie music really could, really would sound. Well, really, just like what rock music yeah. could sound like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there were there were other groups that were using like like some orchestral music here and there but they never really uh caught on quite as much yeah yeah i I feel like like the the big swing of orchestral uh accompaniments to indie music was very post arcade fire yeah like i feel like most people were doing it like you know like the grizzly bears the beiruts like a lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff was was after arcade fire had done funeral Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was probably I think it was a lot of people probably just being like, oh, so you could, we could just like do like, it's okay to have those instruments and yeah. like, people will pay attention to it. Basically. Like, I'm not going to say this is his primary inspiration, but I'm just thinking of Zach Condon of Beirut, uh, seeing that <laughs> yeah. people had eight album, eight credits for, for instruments on, uh, on their debut album. He's like, oh, I can beat that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. Has, like 16 out al- the 16 instruments on Gulag Orchestra. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, feel he's like a, he's a, the, the and biggest... he was like nineteen. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. the The yeah, biggest place where nature. you would, the biggest place where you would find stuff like that previously was like seventies prog albums. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> very very like heady concept album stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, I feel like glow, I feel like a lot of the glow part fire... two. The glow yeah. part two was one that came out before this, which I feel like sort of set the stage. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, that. I could. I I could see that too. Like. I think, um, like, not only in instrumentation, but, like, tone mm-hmm. yeah. also. I think it's just, like, coming back to, like, the where we started this episode, I think it really is just, like, the earnestness of the, of the production. And I think, like, um, the lack of pretension. Because I think, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I think something time. that people will say about Arcade Fire is that it is pretentious kind of music. Um, but that's mostly just out of uh, not fully understanding what the term is supposed to mean. Because I don't, like, think that they think they're better than anyone for being like this. And I feel like that's, like, kind of the opposite of what they're going for. Or at least on this album, I don't know. I, I can't say as much about everything in their release. But, like, the complete lack of pretension and, like, the lack of, like, sarcasm or, like, ironic distance. There is no irony on this album. This album is incapable of irony. And I think that really did well for it. Yeah. I agree. It's, you know... Everything that they were doing, you're completely right. Like, I, I, it's never felt pretentious to me or like, yeah, our band has a violinist in it. It has four <laughs> violinists. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That, yeah, that's a lot of violinists. And I noticed that too, like, at, like Gary was saying on the Saturday Night Live performance, where they, they were constantly like cutting the camera over to the to the violin uh, back backing section, which I don't think Owen yeah. Pallet was there for that. I don't think he was for Probably not. that one. Yeah. I don't even remember if he was actually on Neon Bible. That's I'd have to check. He might not have been. Yeah. I think uh, going back to the um, Win Butler guitar smash, I think like a lot of people 
did not expect that in a way that like uh I think that I think it was intervention that yeah. they were playing. Yep. Oh no, yeah. Owen Pallet is on it. He is he's on uh Black Mirror, Keep the Car Running, and No Cars Go, and no other tracks, as far as I can tell. But yeah, no, I think he might have just been he he could have been busy. I think that was uh that would have been around like Polaris era press cycle for Hipu's Clouds because he had just won the inaugural Pol- Polaris Music Prize. I honestly need to get deeper into Owen Pallet stuff. You should. I, um, I was listening. I was listening to um, the Her soundtrack, which is like really, really gorgeous. Like I, I didn't even know that Arcade Fire and Owen Pallet did the music. Well, for I mean, that that's movie. literally just Will Butler and Owen Pallet, isn't it? I think it. Yeah. I think, oh, is it? I think it's just them, and it's often just billed as Arcade Fire because it's easier than just using their names. Right. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It's really, really, really beautiful. Yeah. It, he does good work. The thing with Owen Pallet is I need to just I need to send you a screenshot of like a playlist that I made like 10 years ago or so. That's just like oh, okay. Owen Pallet solo tracks and also tracks he's featured on because you're just going to see some <laughs> bands on there and you're going to be like, oh, OK. Oh, shit. OK. Like yeah. he's on like oh, several God, Titus Andronicus songs. Yeah. Is he really? Not all, all, all post monitor, but like he's on a few. He's on Dime. He's, he's the violins on Dimed Out. Oh, shit. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah, like motherfuckers all over the place. He played on a ta- yeah, he played everywhere. on a Taylor Swift album and a Linkin Park album in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants a slice. Everybody wants yeah. a slice. Yeah. They see yeah, a man guess- with a violin and a loop pedal, and they're like, "Fuck yeah!" Fuck yeah! Yeah, hell yeah, man! I don't even know. I don't. I don't really got anything else to say. I think we. I think we said our piece on this one. Oh, absolutely! This album kicks ass. I love it so much. Yeah. I, I agree with the reviewer on this one, I think. Pitchfork was right. Hmm. We need to cover an album that got a high <laughs> review that we don't necessarily agree with. David, I think we need to cover Ooh, Blueberry fun. Boat. <laughs> we need to do the Fiery Furnaces. Yeah, for me, just as a side note, Blueberry Boat is fine, but I don't think it was near as good as they said it was. Yeah. Are y'all, so y'all are, I, I to preface this, I've never listened to the Fiery Furnaces. So give me your thoughts. I'm just curious. Um, I think you can't say about them that they don't have any pretension about them. Yes, I would say that they are <laughs> mostly pretension and that they are annoying in a way that is sometimes fun, but is often not. Yeah, I see. Okay. But also like they're both like it's a brother sister duo and they're both incredibly talented instrumentalists. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if they want they to be know it. and if they <laughs> want to be talented vocalists, but often they don't seem to want to be. Yeah, I see. <laughs> they, they they make choices. Got you. <laughs> All right. Shall we take it to the close? Let's take it to the close. All right. Hell yeah. Thank you, uh, Gary, for stopping by on this one. Um, I was really excited to specifically talk about any Arcade Fire album um, because it seems like me too. We, we needed to pretty soon, uh, given this podcast. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for that. Um, and... Uh, we already talked about how you're on Live Free Twy Hard. Uh, what else uh, have you been up to lately? Um, yeah, I've been doing the podcast thing. Um, I'm on this episode of Tuning Fork, which is really awesome. I really appreciate <laughs> you guys having me. Um, uh, I've also been playing bass in the band Small Data, my friend Kara's uh, music project. Um, her album Inconvenience Store came out not that long ago. Um, and it's super great. Um, and we've been playing some shows here and there. Um Got some shows coming up. Uh, I don't. I don't know if they're announced yet. In like two weeks, we're going to be playing um, at Baby's All Right during a uh, having a matinee show. Ooh, so that'll be nice. cool. And then some later stuff. Uh, 
later later in the year. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. Uh, listen to Kara's album. It's really good. Pretty much everywhere. Purchase Hell it yeah. on Bandcamp. Yeah, you could be a Bandcamp purchaser and purchase it on Bandcamp. I know I did. <laughs> Hell yeah, thanks. Much appreciated. I probably uh, said thanks, too. Gary, in the in the notes of the purchase. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh, my Twitter account is at Sukurimi. That's S. Uh, I'm not gonna fucking spell it. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you really care, you'll just like uh, give it a shot. Um, if yeah. not, you if can you just go follow, to the Tuning uh, Fork Twitter and find it there because we will link you. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, and if you want to follow uh, Small Data, that's just Small Data NY, and it's Small like the meme S M O L. And we're in on the joke. We know it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> we are cringe. And we are free. Yes, we're cringe, but we're free. That that really is yeah. the thesis statement of this album. <laughs> Every time you close your eyes. Cringe, <laughs> cringe, cringe, cringe. <laughs> uh, Matt, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, my name is Matt. You can find me on Twitter <clears throat> at MattGCN, unless I have been suspended again for saying that landlords should face the guillotine, <laughs> which happened to me yesterday. <laughs> Um, oh no! Really? I was suspended yeah. for twelve hours. It was torture. I couldn't like any <laughs> oh, of my. Fr- shit, I didn't. I couldn't like any of my friends' posts. It was awful. That's awful. Um, so we'll see if that continues. Um, I run. They showed you. <laughs> I run the the network of noisespace.xyz on which this podcast is featured, and many other great podcasts. Um, I actually might be recording a, an Elite Full Restore at some point in the near future. I have like Ooh. two people interested in being guests, so I can uh, maybe knock an episode or two of those out. Um, if 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 not, like in the next month, or, like in October at some point, for sure, once the new uh, Diamond and Pearl remakes are out in November, I'll get one out after that. Um, oh, as for yeah. all my other podcasts, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm David. Uh you are listening to a show called Tuning Fork, um, which you can follow on Twitter at, at Tuning Fork Cast. Uh, you can follow me at, at Dave's with three V's. Uh, and you can listen to my music at Spinning Voices at spinningvoices.bandcamp.com. Um, and I just got uh, a new piece of tracker hardware that I'm going to be learning how to use here pretty soon. So I'll oh, shit. probably be uh, trying to release something using that sometime in the next year or so. Um, Hell yeah. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Should be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so um, thank you to Nikki Flowers for making the album art for this show, uh, as well as our header uh, on Twitter, which I don't usually mention, but it's also good. Uh, and hey, Nikki. Yeah, Woo. Nikki's awesome in many ways. Uh, and thank you to Animal Style for the use of our theme song, Open Air, from the album Open Air. Um, good chiptune EP from uh, the late 2000s, um, from the 8-bit people's era, um, Hell yeah. which kind of birthed uh, Bit Shifter and Null Sleep and all those kind of chiptune OGs. So, yeah, it's one of my still one of my favorites. Um, and with that, uh, as we always say, I had never seen a shooting star before. I had never seen a <laughs> shooting star before. I've never seen a shooting star before. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> bye.